the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Brett Favre claims not to know what a podcast is. You know, I have a podcast, Brett. Did you know that? Um, no, you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> Reggie Wayne, Brett Edward. I had a, a, a pet snake mm-hmm. by the name of Law. I'm not a snake fan. I don't like snakes. Why is a snake in the house? I get a, a, a text on my two-way. Law dead. <laughs> Chris Cooley threatened to prank call me. Tyson, how are you? This is David Dunn. Got you, sucker. No, you didn't because I'm recording this thing right oh, now, no, dude. No, no. This You're is the, the podcast. Uh, You're the Andy best. Reed did not call Tim Tebow last night. <laughs> too much. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Greetings from New York City, from league headquarters, right in the middle of Midtown Manhattan in three blocks to the east of Radio City Music Hall, where the 2013 NFL Draft is going to go down. I am your humble host, Rich Eisen. Good to see you. Chris Law, you're sitting right next to me. Rich, how's it going? Been in New York for a few days. You are a busy man. I am a busy man, yes. We just put the mock draft in the books, which we did from... Uh, the league headquarters command center where all the zebras sit every single yep. Sunday and Thursday night and Monday night. It's like the futuristic room. Yeah, with all sorts of DVRs and panels and screens and what have you, where we just shot the uh, annual uh, mock draft, the NFL.com live mock draft uh, with Mike Mayock, fifth year that we've done that. Yes. And you produced that baby. That's yes. going to go up on... We're going to put that up Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, for listeners. So we're going to turn that into a podcast for Rich's podcast. Okay, yeah, that'll we'll be a podcast. post that entire thing. But for right now, what we're going to do is an audio version of what's going on Wednesday night at 9 Eastern time, our... Uh, our draft special. Exactly. If you want to watch the Mayock, yes. the mock draft, you can catch that Tuesday at midnight or Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. It's also going to be available on NFL.com as of Wednesday. Okay. That's so, all Eastern times. And yes. We're multimedia here at NFL Media. Yes, we are. Um, and uh, Mike Mayock is going to do his personal mock draft. He just was the quote-unquote commissioner of this mock draft that, again, will be downloadable on our show uh, on Wednesday and also uh, that you can see on various screens, uh, small and big. Um, he was just the commissioner for that. His only personal mock draft is an hour-long television show on NFL Network at 8 Eastern Time Wednesday night, after which our draft special comes on. The Correct. Air. Yep. And Brockman is already in the edit bay putting that baby together. It's a half an hour show. Yes. Chris is back, um, the Fort Holder that he is in Culver City, sitting in the, av- uh, the avid edit bay. Uh, putting together three conversations that you're about to hear in full, Correct. the commissioner of the National Football League, from his office, Roger Goodell. Doesn't get much better than that. No, certainly uh, on the, the eve of the NFL draft once again. Uh, we'll sit down with him. Josh Charles makes yet another return appearance to the show. Friend of the podcast. But it's his first time on TV. Second. We had him one time at the, at the league headquarters. He, Did we? Yeah, down on, uh, it was in New York on the camera downstairs oh, right. in the basement. Okay, but if, in terms of a draft special. First time making a draft special. can't even keep track anymore yes. of, of what we do. Uh, and um, he, we taped him from league headquarters in, in what, what is it called? The fan room? It's called the fan cave. Fan cave. Yeah, so every year the team, every year I say, there's the new offices have only been here for two years, mm-hmm. but they turn the fan cave room into a room decked out in the gear of whichever team just won the Super Bowl. And it's his beloved Ravens. So it's his Ravens. So we put that together, and then we go to the home office of, uh, or the work office of Michael Strahan. 
Yes. The seven-time Pro Bowler, future Hall of Fame New York Giant. He is now sitting next to Kelly Ripa. Not a bad life being Michael Strahan no. these days. Well, obviously, he still does Fox NFL Sunday yes. during the season. Uh, and then he does live with Kelly and Michael. Used to be live with Regis and Kelly. But now Kelly Ripa has Michael Strahan. Her name slides her over. Left, her name slides <laughs> over and Michael Strahan slides in. Yep. And if you think about it in terms of transitions from the the league from the NFL as a player to something else. This is one of the most remarkable transitions anyone's ever done. Yeah. I mean, this is up there with, with like, in terms of going from the world of sports to the world of entertainment. This is up there, and honestly, this is up there with, like, Jim Brown. This is, I mean, who else has gone from Hall of Fame athlete to the small screen, silver screen, or any screen, like what Strahan's been able to pull off right now? I mean, you. I know, well, the I juice, mean, but we don't talk about him well, much that's anymore. True. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> we don't people that we can talk about. Very good. <laughs> yeah. That's true. But Stray, we went and visited him after he did a show. Uh, Pierce Brosnan was one of the guests. Yes. Um, Our friend, friend of the, uh, Jake Johnson. Jake Johnson, big time Bears fan. Yeah, who's been on this show? He was on that one as well. And yeah. Anyway, so as soon as that was over, Stray uh, sat down for us. I sat in Kelly Ripa's chair, yeah. and uh, and I chatted with Stray, and so um, it's all going to be again 9 Eastern time Wednesday night on NFL Network. But let's get to this audio podcast right now, starting with the big cheese. Pleased to have on the Rich Eisen draft special, the man of the hour uh, of the National Football League and, of course, the NFL Draft Commissioner, Roger Goodell. Good to see you, sir. Great to be with you, Rich. Thank you very much for letting us in your office. This You're is, always welcome. I appreciate that. <laughs> I barged in here. Um, so the draft, what does it mean to you every year that it's time to welcome in some new blood into the National Football League? Well, I think it's great for these young men. You know, it's a realization of a dream. They've all worked hard for it. And, you know, that moment when you're selected by a team and you come out on the stage is, uh, is a great moment for me to be a part of it for just a, a fraction of a moment. It's a lot of fun for me. And it's also great for our teams and our fans because it's, you know, every team gets better. It's probably the only day of the year every team gets better. And that's a good thing. Yeah, optimism is abound right now. Everybody hopes that maybe this guy's... Sure strolling on the stage, could be the next Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, or something like that. And then when you meet them, do you meet them right here in this office, or at least those who come in Actually, New York City? Actually, they'll all be in here tomorrow morning. Okay. Uh, about 8.30 and then about 9 o'clock, and uh, we have a chance to talk. Uh, we're going to bring them. They've got, we've got such a large group now, we do it in two stages, so we can have a chance to chat. Yeah, that's right. used to be just six, seven, eight guys. Now right. you're in the 20s, right. pretty much. Yeah, we're 24 this year. Why do you want that? Why do you? Why would the league want to get more and more kids physically there? Well, it's interesting as, as as time has gone on, the players want to be here. They, you know, they want to have that experience. You know, they've been watching it for years as high school and college players, and they want to have that opportunity. It's again, it's that moment that they they've achieved an NFL career, and we love it because it's it's great for the fans. They, you know, the fans in the arena at Radio City love it. I think our viewers on NFL Network and ESPN love it. So I think the more we can do that, the better. As for the television product, there's all this talk in the last couple of years about the fan experience at home watching this mm. thing. Tipping of picks by the networks, showing kids on telephones, that's out now. Tweeting about it, <laughs> everyone got that memo except I believe one, <laughs> one person in the membership uh, was tweeting about it. That stopped now. Why do you want that? Because you are the guy well, a who's... Well, a couple of things. I think the biggest change we made was three or four years ago when we reduced the, the length of the, 
of the picks in some of the rounds. And we went from a 10 minute to five minute, I believe. And it really helped us uh, keep some momentum going. And, and it, it was more entertaining. And we heard that from the clubs, we heard that from the fans, and we heard that from our network partners. Uh, but as far as the, the most recent change, I think it was to keep the suspense. You know, that, that moment of when someone is selected and to, to make the announcement, uh, that was something that uh, our clubs thought was the right thing to do and, and our television partners. But what about you as the commissioner? Because you you're the one who's up there delivering the news. You're sort of the Paul Revere. You're telling everyone who's coming. And, and I hadn't thought about it that way. Well, you are yeah. the Paul in that respect, because there, there's always been, if you think about it, there's always been that gap between the phone call from the club to whoever's right. at the draft floor, writing the name on a piece of paper, and the commissioner, whether it was Roselle, Taglibu, you announcing it. There's always been that gap, but there's never been something like Twitter, a mass media apparatus that can actually report that news in that small gap. That's never happened before. Well, that's technology, to your point. It, you know, you, you tease us all the time about the helmet phones. And, the, you know, that, yeah, that, that, we need that, that was a, That was a big invention, you know, probably two decades ago. But, mm -hmm. you know, the, the technology's changed now, so everything's rapid. And we have to adjust to that. And we just thought it was best to keep this as, let's create that suspense. And let's make sure that the announcement happens at the right time. And... You know, I, I think it's been a positive change. Uh, our people came up with it, talked to our network partners, and I think it's been good for everybody. What if the, it comes back that fans, you, the information comes to you one day that fans want it, like, immediately on Twitter? Well, we that always, they want that as opposed to watching a television product that isn't immediate enough for them, for this well, information? Well, it's still within a, probably within a minute, and it's, uh, it doesn't slow the process down. All we're doing is, is probably allowing him to say hello to his family and get out on the stage. Uh, but, I, you know, I, it, we always listen to our fans. It's something we'll have to consider. But actually, the reaction we got last year was very good. What about rotating the draft to different cities? Are you considering that? We have uh, several times. And I, I still think it's something uh, that we have on the table. Uh, it's tough to walk away from New York, quite honestly. It's become a real staple here in the city, and you know it is the number one market, so it, it brings a lot of attention. But we've talked about, since we moved to two primetime nights, whether you could take the second night and move that to, uh, to another city. We have an incredible amount of interest in doing that. Uh, other cities, mayors, uh, representatives of those communities always come to me and ask me, could we do that? So it's something that's still on the table for us. What about rotating other events that the league holds, like the Combine, for instance? Are you, is the league considering something along those lines? Well, the Combine, you know, we try to keep a perspective that the Combine primarily is to make sure that the clubs get the right information. And that's the medical information and the physical information uh, from the workouts. And that's a great setup in Indianapolis. So to do any changes or make any changes to that, we would want to make sure we could do that and, and still make sure we achieve that objective. Because uh, while we want to make our events bigger, we want to invite people in. We're inviting fans now into the combine, uh, primarily to see you in the 40-yard dash. Thank you. But, uh, but it is a, you know, it's become a great event for fans, and we want to give fans greater access. So if there's an opportunity and we can do it properly, we might. What about um, the schedule of the non-playing season? 
as we call it here in the National <laughs> Football League. Uh, my, would, is this a possibility that this will be the last April draft? That we might be talking, you and I, right before the draft in May next year and forevermore? Well, it is possible. We, we would like to uh, restructure our offseason uh, from a, an event standpoint. Uh, free agency, the start of the league year, uh, the combine, the draft. Uh, in fact, next year we may be uh, needing to make a change on the draft date alone just because of the availability of Radio City. Uh, so those are some of the things that we're having to, to balance here. But well, they got the Rockettes or something. They got the Rockettes. No, we're actually like getting bumped by the Easter Bunny a little bit because they're going to have an Easter Easter show. So we're but we'll be prepared for that. So time. we've got <laughs> there's the Easter Bunny and the Orioles. Those are two <laughs> things that the NFL <laughs> needs to deal with yeah, on the right. scheduling front. That's right. What was that like for you? What was that like for you? That whole scheduling snafu in the for the lack of a better phrase, uh, with kickoff? Because that's been something, obviously, the league has been uh, enjoying and it has been a, something that has become a staple to open up the season at the home of the Super Bowl champion. Well, first off, you know, we respect Major League Baseball's got scheduling issues that they have to go through, so we understand that and the complications that are there. So uh, we understand um, that we were the ones asking for the change first. Second, uh, you know, I... I I'm disappointed for the fans because I think it would have been a great day in Baltimore to be able to, to go to an Orioles game in the afternoon and, and then be able to participate in a big celebration of their Super Bowl championship. That won't happen now, uh, at least in Baltimore. Now, we're still talking about whether we have a celebration there, but the team will be in, in Denver that night. Yeah. And, and I think that's, um, that's a missed opportunity for, for the Baltimore fans, and that's what disappoints me. So let's talk about other issues going on in the NFL right now that's in your inbox. Uh, HGH testing, do you think that's going to be in place in time for the playing season this year? I sure hope so, Rich. Uh, you know, it takes two to reach an agreement. Uh, we have been very open about uh, our desire to have an HGH agreement. It's good for the players. Uh, I think it's the right thing to do for the game, and it's the right message for all of our fans and young people who play sports. Uh, the issues that we've been dealing with uh, are now getting down to uh, the appeals process. We have offered them the same appeals process that, that Major League Baseball has. Uh, it already, we had agreed to two years ago to allow it to go to third party arbitration. So I, I'm not sure what's left for us to, to reach an agreement on it. We're prepared to get going. Uh, time is running short, but we do think it's the right thing to do. Do you think if it doesn't happen by the playing season this year, Capitol Hill might get more involved in this process? Well, they've shown a great deal of interest, as you know, in this. I, I, they believe firmly that uh, not only is it the right thing to do for the players, but as the NFL, we're leaders, and we should be sending the right messages to young people. And that's something that we should have in place. And I, I'm embarrassed we don't have it in place. So uh, whether they uh, ramp up their efforts or not, I don't know. They've made uh, a lot of noises about that. Uh, but the reality is we should take care of our own house. We should do this on our own initiative. It's good for the players and it's good for the NFL. How do you characterize your relationship with D. Smith and the league's relationship with the Players Association? It just seems that you're in a constant battle, litigation, all the time. Is that well, a they fair bring assessment? A, they're bringing a lot of litigation, and, and you know we understand that. Uh, uh, it's part of a, I think in some cases, management union relationship. Uh, you know, that's, that exists, uh, not just in our industry or our sport, but also other industries. Uh, so you're gonna have that from time to time. 
It disappoints me to some extent that it's uh, as much as it is because I think there's so much more you can do working together, uh, making compromises, finding solutions, uh, making uh, the game safer and better for everyone. And I think we did that in our collective bargaining agreement very effectively. Uh, now we have to carry through and, and continue to make that partnership stronger, better, and make modifications as, as time goes on. With rule changes, new rule changes or new rule emphasis, uh, this year uh, one of the, I guess, new rules that came out of the uh, league annual, annual league meeting involved uh, running backs now out of the tackle box. If they lower their head, use the crown of their helmet to hit a player, that this is now a violation. And a lot of fans took this as another instance of the NFL potentially softening the game and also taking it a step further away from your so-called father's NFL. How do you view that characterization? Well, I, uh, first off, the, the, the rule changes for offensive and defensive players. It's either player using the crown of their helmet uh, is something that we're trying to remove from the game. But second of all, uh, it's not unusual that the NFL has made changes and taken certain techniques out of the game over several decades. Uh, you know, the head slap used to be an accepted part of the game until we outlawed it in the rules because it was something that we thought led to unnecessary injuries. So we're going to continue to do that and not make apologies for that. I, uh, I dare anyone to say that the game isn't tough and rough and maybe uh, more physical than it's ever been. Uh, they haven't been down on that field, they wouldn't know. Uh, what we owe the game and what we owe these players is the safest game as possible, removing techniques that we know can lead to injuries, and get back to the fundamentals of football, Rich. Uh, the game is, was never meant to tackle with the helmet. The helmet is for protection. It is not to be used as a weapon. And so we need to get back to teaching the right techniques. And this is what we talked about with our coaches at the annual meeting. We all agreed we've got to get back to tackling with that shoulder. And they're going to coach it, and hopefully the players are going to play it. We've seen great changes in the game from our rule changes over the last uh, five or six years. And I think the game's better than ever, and I think it's safer than ever. But that's a good combination. But I, I can't be the first one to have brought that up in terms of... Yeah, but I don't buy it, Rich. I, you know, I, I, that's great for people to say, mm -hmm. but it's not reality when you watch it on the field. And the game is better and safer. What do you think is the biggest misconception about you that fans hold? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, uh, you must hear some sort of, uh, I guess, critique of, of your... I talk to the fans all the time. I mean, what, they, what they spend most of the time talking about is the game. That's what they love. They, they don't want anything that's outside the game. You know, they want to focus on football. And anything that's a distraction from that, whether it's labor negotiations, litigation, uh, business issues, you know, keep it out of there. They want to focus on how is the game going to get better? How can we improve the preseason? Uh, do we expand the season or playoffs? What, what is it that we can do to make, you know, our experience better with football mm -hmm. and get closer to the game? Um, a couple more questions for you. Sure. Um, the owner of the Cleveland Browns, Jimmy Haslam, um, has his name and his company have been accused by the FBI of fraudulent behavior. Um, what, is, what is your thought on what's happening with the ownership in Cleveland right now? 
Well, it's a difficult time for Jimmy and his family and his company. Uh, I know he's expressed it publicly that he's embarrassed uh, that this uh, investigation is going on. Uh, you know, Jimmy has been all about integrity, and his company has been all about integrity, and he doesn't want to see this going on if it is going on in his company. So um, he'll be keeping us informed if there are any developments on it. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I know that he's serious about the Cleveland Browns and doing everything he can to restore that team. And he's also uh, very serious about his Pilot J company. He wants to make sure that that's successful and operated with integrity. And that's something that I believe he will do. Youth football, what is the, the league doing to institute everything you're talking about in the NFL, about teaching kids to do what you're now instructing coaches or reemphasizing, let's put it that way. Well, our coaches are sort of actually stuff. involved and our players are involved. We, we have uh, a new program called Heads Up Football. We already have 30,000 youth football coaches that have signed up and we haven't even officially announced it. Um, we have uh, what we think will be over a thousand leagues signed up. hundred of those will be participating in a pilot program. We have a hundred ambassadors who are former NFL players who are helping uh, with this technique. And what it's all about is getting back to the fundamentals of teaching proper techniques, uh, keeping the head out of the game, using the shoulder, uh, not using the helmet as a weapon, but recognizing it's there for protection. And those techniques uh, can make the game safer. And it, it will, if you learn them as a fundamental early on, they'll stay with you. And that's what a lot of our former players and our coaches have told us. We've got to start teaching it properly at the, at the lowest level. And we're certifying these coaches, inviting our parents in so that they can see that we're doing this in a, a responsible fashion and educating people. And it even goes to how you wear your equipment, making sure that they know how to wear their equipment, that the coaches are properly trained and other personnel are properly trained to recognize injuries so that we can make sure they do get medical care. As a father of twin girls playing soccer and lacrosse, I see injuries are going on in all sports. Um, we want to make sure that we have the right people supervising our children. I know I do, and I want to make sure that's true for youth football. That's the, that's the one point out of all of this that I find the most fascinating, because you got, uh, clearly in this conversation that we're having, in the office that we're sitting in, you have your hands full administrating your own league. But it's not just the, the proper technique that needs to be taught, it's who's doing the teaching. Right. You mentioned certifying these coaches because in certain leagues, all you have to do is just give a thumbprint and, it, and maybe you play a video game and suddenly you're a coach. How, how, how can you do that? I mean, it seems like maybe you'd be the governing body for youth football leagues. Well, there is a governing body called USA Football. Right. And that, that's the programs, the programs that they are promoting is to make sure that we get the proper information out to coaches about the proper techniques mm -hmm. and the proper way to manage a practice. Um, and we're not running leagues with USA Football. Right. We're, we're trying to make sure they get the right information out there. And they can not only teach the game right, but they can run practices properly. They recognize, as we have made changes in the NFL offseason and taken contacts out of the offseason, they can do that also. There's not, there's not a need for that. They don't need to have the kind of contacts that they've had in the past. You can teach football, and you can teach it with less contact rather than more. This has been fun. I hope it's been fun for you. It has been fun. It's good. always good to see you. That's good. The draft is great. What is your most 
Uh, Were you prospect- sitting in my chair before I got in here? Well, that's, I, no. <laughs> I, 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 I definitely looked through some things. I hope that's okay if, yeah, if things are a little out of order. <laughs> but what is your most prized possession in here? What do you walk in and you say, that, you know, it's pretty cool I have that in my office. Do you have anything? Well, other than the pictures of my family. Of course. Uh, is, is the trophy, the Lombardi trophy, which I believe is sitting behind me. Yes, it is. Um, and then that, that shield up on the wall. Um, I keep that there for a reason. Uh, you know, everything, and I'd like to say this, everything we do is to, to improve that shield and to improve the image of that shield and, and to protect it from time to time. Uh, that's what each of us in the NFL have to do. And so that shield means a lot to me, and uh, we're going to continue to do what we can to make it better. That's pretty cool. I, I, and then eventually you'd get down in my book. That's on your shelf. Your book is there. Did you I notice that? Oh, please. That I'm sure you first took a thing. few pictures of that. <laughs> that was the first thing I looked for. I to make sure. Good to see you. You too, Rich. Commissioner, Great to be with you. Bet. Thank you. Yeah, it's Commissioner Roger Goodell here on the draft special. Roger Goodell from his office took a good picture. Uh, he was, he, you know, the commissioner's, he's open-minded. Yes. Um, he took a picture uh, of, of me sitting in his chair fake rummaging through his desk drawer. Standing and, over your shoulder. And him standing over me. I tweeted that picture check out. out uh, check out Rich's blog page for that. Yeah, we'll, that'll be good We'll too. get that up on the blog page if you want um, And it, just a lot of interesting stuff from, uh, from RG1 what, again. What, I, I was surprised when he said, because I'm thinking from the television side of things, the draft in New York on Thursday night and then going to a satellite city for Friday. It's possible. And he said next year they may not be able to hold it. Yeah, this on week. On the, the normal weekend anyway, because it's going to coincide with Easter. Oh, that the Easter bunny is what he said. So, uh, you know, the 2014 draft is, might look differently. And I just also thought he said it was embarrassing to the league that there's no HGH test testing yeah. yet. I mean, that's just a flat out, um, that's quite, quite a statement from, from the commissioner. Um, at any rate, uh, let's get to our next conversation, sort of switching gears a little bit, going from the uh, Goodell to the good wife. Pleased to have on the draft special a man who's been on the podcast version of this show many, many times, celebrating his Baltimore Ravens championship in style here, and I guess in the makeshift Ravens room here at the league headquarters. This is a very cool room. Josh Charles <laughs> of Good Wife fame and many other movies and TV shows that we've enjoyed you. And how are you, Josh Charles? Good. How are you doing, Rich? Are, are you still basking in your Super Bowl championship? Um, I've, I've, of course I am, but being in this room certainly helps me relive some memories. This is a very cool room. I it, might uh, give me some ideas from my apartment. <laughs> you can, you know, some of the stuff is yours to keep if you want. <laughs> it's not mine. I'm just going to give it away. Before. The blankie, the, the, the blankie, blankie is the nice. schmata, the raven schmata. Got to have a schmata. You got to. Everyone, I think, must have a schmata. I don't know if Bash- Shotty has a schmata. I don't know if Steve has a schmata. He doesn't seem like a schmata. <laughs> he doesn't. But I, I think a schmata is a nice thing to have to celebrate your team. With. Were you now? Let's talk about because we've we've spoken about the Super Bowl. There you go. Put the the John Harbaugh like lid on right there. there you go. Your championship. It, you uh, enjoyed it. The parade was spectacular. That was something that Baltimore hasn't seen the likes of in, in a very very long time. And then comes free agency mm-hmm. and the team just poof what were your thoughts as you were watching Anquan Bolden go and the rest of the exodus that happened right after the trade uh, you know I, I think some of it was not surprising and some of it like Bolden and, and even Pollard to a certain extent as a fan was surprising I mean I think we talked on the podcast before about the moves that the Ravens could make or what I assume they would make as a fan uh, potentially and and by letting maybe some people go they'll be able to re-sign an Ellerby. And I, I think a lot of it was dictated by, you know, 
some of it just by the market, what, what teams spent for a Paul Kruger, God bless him, or, uh, or Ellerby. And, I, and I, think, um, I think as a Ravens fans, there was a lot of shock in the beginning, but also trust in the organization that these guys, and Ozzy and Eric DaCosta and Joe Ortiz, and all, all these guys just do such a good job um, year in, year out, in the draft, finding gems, finding the undrafted players. So uh, to me, I was definitely shocked, particularly with Bolden, because I didn't expect to see him get traded. Um, but nothing surprises me anymore in the NFL. I mean, you know, you, they have the salary cap. You gotta, you gotta find a way to make it work every year. And I think the Ravens do that as good, if not, you know, as anybody else in the league. But even it, it, as you mentioned, all of those guys who are going, and I understand in Aussie we trust is a line that they say <laughs> in Charm City. Yeah. Was there any moment though that you're, or even now, where you're wondering? that Bolden one, or maybe they should have forked over the cash for whomever went to some other team, maybe not even just to keep their own guy. I mean, on, on the only, the, the person, because I just felt he was so integral to our Super Bowl, was, is, 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 uh, is Bolden. I mean, certainly that hurts, because before he was even a Raven, he was one of my favorite NFL players. Just the, the kind of toughness he plays with, the leadership. I uh, just, you know, the guy broke his, you know, his jaw wired shut in the game against the Jets, right, and was on the mm -hmm. field two or three weeks later. Right. I mean, this is the kind of guy, you, you, can't, you can't find that in stats. You can't find that. In, but what he did through the playoff run makes that very hard. But I think the reality is this business is hard to get that emotional about things. You have to look at, you know, keeping the team and, and building best for the future. I think they invest a lot of money in Joe. And, uh, and I think if you look at a lot of the players we got for, for who we lost, Ellerby and Kruger, I mean, for the amount of money that, that Kruger went to for the Browns, the players that we received in return that we will get in Doomerville and Huff and Canty and Spears, um, I, think that, I, think it, I think our defense will actually be better next year than it was this What year. about Ed Reed, though, in a Texan uniform? How's that going to hit you, Josh Charles? It's, it's because there was so much else that happened before that, it, it hit me less than you would think because, you know, he's one of the all-time greats. And it will feel very weird when he comes. And, you know, if we weren't in a land of free agency and it was a different time and a different era, that wouldn't happen. But this is the world we live in. I mean, it would have been great for, for, for both Ed, I think, and for Ravens fans if he had sort of finished off his career the way Ray did. But I think Ed had another... <clears throat> He had another opportunity to get another big payday, and I think he's also going to a good organization, a good team that, you know, is in the playoffs, has the opportunity. So, it's one of those ones where it's that that's bittersweet. You know, I mean, I I, I, I get it on both sides, but it'll be it'll be weird come third game of the season seeing where, him. Where do you stand as a fan on the concept of paying somebody for past performance to keep them in a uniform like Ed Reed and? keep him there. The Bears just went through that with Brian Urlacher. Apparently it was a million and a half dollars it would have cost the Bears yeah. to keep Urlacher in a Bears uniform and they decided no. Where do you stand on that? Just as a fan. Well th this is why I would be a horrible GM because I mean I, my emotions would get way too involved in that and you know you fall in love with these players. They become a fabric of the city uh, of, of your team for so long. I mean Ed, Ed Reed's been there for over a decade and, and he's, a, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer no doubt. But I think you have to, you know, you have to, the team's clearly making a decision to go younger or a little cheaper. And I think, in all honesty, I mean, we had an incredible playoff run, but the defense was not quite up to par with the way it's been in years past. And what I think Ravens fans are used to seeing year in, year out, a top 10, top 5 defense. And I think we, we, we had, 
we really held 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 it together in the red zone, I think. Uh, but we we got gashed for a lot of yards, a lot of big plays, and I think our defense is going to be better next year. So once the shock and all of it, everything sort of wears off, and you look at it, you say, "Man, these guys really know what they're doing." And um, certainly a lot more than this fan, and I and I just watch and 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 sort of and in all of it, but. It doesn't change the fact that you lose guys like an Ed Reed, you lose guys like a, you know, an Anquan Bolden, a Bernard Pollard made such clutch plays in the playoffs. You know, these are guys that I, you know I loved being able to call Ravens. Uh, you know, particularly the new guys like a Pollard and a and a Bolden. So that sucks as a fan, but that's that's part of the deal these days. Well, you're a fixture at games at the Ravens games. Sometimes, you, yeah. Well, you, well, I mean, you're Sometimes. there a lot. I, I saw go. you there Thanksgiving night. When we, we went, had that's the, right. The Harbaugh. You're the there. You're, you're there as much as you can whenever yeah, your, go. your good wife's schedule can, can, exactly. can clear it. As a matter of fact, you jammed the Super Bowl in between two good wife that was shoot great. days. I did. To the point where you went from the Ravens victory party, basically, to a scene with, uh, <laughs> with Juliana, with Juliana Margulies, yeah. right? Yeah, a couple hours later. And that said, you definitely would have been at the home opener first game of the year <laughs> if it weren't for the Baltimore Orioles hosting the Chicago White Sox right putting the Ravens on the road to begin the season yeah and you're a huge Orioles fan as well where did you stand on this whole scheduling snafu I, well when I first heard it I got I was I was pissed I was like come on they got to work this out and then when you start to look at it and you realize well there's a lot more factors in play than just saying hey let's do it um you know, you've got the you got the White Sox schedule and the Orioles schedule. They, both of those teams could potentially be in a playoff hunt at that point. So while it may just seem like a no big deal, it, it could be a big deal as far as rotations, as you know, you know about how you set your fantasy rotation. Sometimes, right? yeah, if, you know, if it works out. Yeah, when you're not changing your team name, you know, <laughs> when you want to work on the rotations, yeah. and sometimes you put a guy on the bench. Anyway, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying. Yes, I do. So, but I think that I, I, I at the end of the day, I'm over it. I'm over it. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm truly over it. Well, I mean, it, you, ha you have to come to grips with it at some point. But yeah, I mean, at, at the beginning, of course, it, it would have been great for the fans. But I, I you know, for, for everyone in Baltimore, and, and it's become this sort of new tradition that that the Super Bowl champion gets a host game. It, it would have been great. But is it the end of the world? No, I'm over it. Um, so I, I think uh, you got to open up in Denver, though. I mean, you're going to open up where you already, it. where you already, you and, already went in there in a crucial situation. Converted on second and seventy-three. Yes, we you did, did that. So now, second <laughs> yeah, you converted on second and seventy-three, and yeah. and forced overtime, won the game in overtime. Why should you have to go open the season there? Uh, okay, I mean, why should we? But here's the thing: the, I think the brilliance of, of, of Coach Harbaugh is he'll use that. You know, like any good coach would, he's going to use that. This is going to really tell us a lot about this team early on. First of all, you've got the whole Doomerville. Um, you know, Fax story machine. as well. Yeah. You've got that now. He's with he's with the Ravens. You've got Wes Welker over there now in Denver. So there's some new players. It's going to be new. Feel like new teams in some respect. But um, I think it'll be it'll be a great test for us. And and why not a great test to start it off early? If Raheem Moore gets beat deep in that game, he, he might as well just keep. <laughs> but going. Let, let's right. remember something about that. Everybody talks about that, mm -hmm. and I think it's I think it's really important. Okay, yes he yes he blew yes he blew it. Okay, you mm -hmm. could also say that the corner was a little out of position as well because mm -hmm. he let him run past him as well, but he thought he had the help. But that only tied the game. Each team held the ball twice in, in, the, in the overtime. So the real play of that game that everybody talks about, the, the real play that Joe made, 
was the third and 13 on our like one and a half yard line when he hit Dennis Pitta for 25 some odd yards. If he doesn't make that play, we're punting, most likely giving him the ball at midfield, and they're likely going to kick a field goal to win it because we had we had already both possessed the ball. So that to me was one of the one of the lost plays in not only that game but in the whole postseason. Third and 13, pinning your goal line, and he hits a I mean just throws a beautiful pass and a beautiful catch to Pitta. So I'm not going to get you to bash the Orioles like Rex Ryan did. Rex, I mean, I, I have to agree with Buck Showalter on that. I, oh, I, he you really know, Rex, gave it to Rex. With Rex needs to. Rex got a lot of things to worry about, and one it should not be the schedule of the Ravens and, and the Orioles. Uh, well, you he know. probably thought he was doing something for the good people of Baltimore, who, who he shares a bond with from his days. I'm sure he defense. does, and I, I love Coach Ryan. I'm, I loved having him as a defensive coordinator, but I, I don't. I just don't. I don't even know. I mean, but you know what? It's unfair to say that because you never know what the context was of the question. I don't know if right. someone, you know prompted him with that which right. led to it I all I know is I read the quotes and I'm like I don't why why is he talking about this when it's already now past news but it would have been a great thing I mean honestly on a selfish level I couldn't go either way because I'd be working and I couldn't I couldn't okay go. so but with that said I think I think the schedule the Ravens have now is a pretty good one I mean we've got some good games at home we've got that great Thanksgiving game Steelers at Ravens well, that's that sounds like a, a lot of fun so and we got like I think you know a, a good stretch of three games at home in December. I think it is mm -hmm. right. That sounds right. So uh, I think I think we're going to be good. Thirty second overall on the clock. Great position to be in, obviously, because it means you won the Super Bowl. Yes, it does. Uh, now, I, in this draft, this draft is you know this draft is completely wide open. Obviously, yeah. Nobody knows who number one is going to be, mm -hmm. and we're just a couple days away from the draft. Is that true? Nobody still knows. I think everyone assumes it's going to be Joko, mm -hmm. but nobody knows for sure. As opposed to last year, everyone was like, "Gonna be luck, gonna be right. RG three, gonna be Matt Khalil, one, two, three, boom, boom, boom." Now, I mean, to even think to figure out who's going to be thirty-two available at that spot. That said, for need, best player available. What do you do? You go for the best player available, and if so, who do you think you have in mind? Or need? What do you think the biggest need is I, I think for, the, the, for the Ravens? I, I think the Ravens have set themselves up where they can go for the best player available with some of the some of the people that they've acquired in free agency. Um, I, I think that that's exactly what they'll do. I think the needs, we need safety, we need inside linebacker, we need some help on the offensive line, we need a receiver. There all these things that you think we need, we need. So uh, where that'll go, I don't know. I, th I think it'll be the best player available. What I think we positioned ourselves that way. And that's what the Ravens always do. That's why, that's why Ozzie's and Eric, that's why these guys are the bomb. I and mean, that's just what they do. What about uh, Tao? Would you want him? Would you want him if he's there? Um, we move forward. I don't think he's going to be there. I don't think he's going to be there. I think he's going to go much higher. So I, I, I know some people say he's not, but I, I think he's going to. I think somebody in their early 20s is going to take him. I think you're right. But if he's there, would you want him? You know. You're hesitating. I'm hesitating. I can I'm see hesitating. that. You're, you're wondering. I'm hesitating. That Alabama game, I mean, that's just, I know it's only one game. This is, again, why I'm not a GM, but you watch right. that game. That's, it looked like some men were playing some boys, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... And that worries me a little bit. But I think, obviously, if he's going to go in the middle of the first round, there's a lot of people who think that he's going to be great. So you're going the eye on the sky. You're going tape. You have The catfishing's not an issue for you. That's know. an issue, too. It's weird, but I don't know if it's an issue. I mean, it's not something I want on my team, but there's certainly a lot of worse things that you could see that people draft people that's, that bring a lot more baggage than that. Right. Um, so it's, 
it creeps me out a little bit because I just don't I don't fully understand it. It still hasn't been explained to me enough right. where I understand it. Well, uh, we'll wrap this thing up uh, with something that probably won't make the TV show. But go ahead. You want you brought up the fantasy baseball. This will make the uh, audio <laughs> podcast. You brought up the fantasy baseball. You and I are in this are, are We're in, in the league. same fantasy baseball league. Unfortunately, with Keith Olbermann, with Keith who, Olbermann. who is who knows everything about everybody. He's down the commissioner. To single A. He's, he's the, commissioner. the commissioner. Yeah. So it's it's tough to it's tough to beat him at in many ways his own yeah. game. Um, well, here's my here's here's what I want to say about Rich. Yes. Is what I've noticed in the two years that I've been in this league with Rich is that. Yes. Rich spends a lot of time changing his team name <laughs> and his avatar. Yes. Maybe more time than he, than he should, and one could argue, I'm not saying me, but one yeah. could argue yes. that maybe that energy should be put into sort of drafting player team, personnel, player personnel, right. trades, sure. you know, players to pick up right. uh, off the waiver wire. Maybe, as opposed to just the gloom and doom, my team sucks, let me think of new names that just show how much they suck. Well, that's true. Um, you, you, this may be a fair criticism on this front, but it's like sort of letting your smile be your umbrella in a way. Yeah. Because the it, it seems to me, how many it, again being the football guy that I I'm also, but baseball's my first love. I, I fell in love with baseball as a young kid. It just seems that everybody seems to hurt their oblique. You know, they got they got something wrong with a ligament in their hand, and suddenly they can't play. Yeah. And being the football, I'm like, I'm like, just fight through this damn thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're all on my team. They all fall apart. Somebody's coming off the DL. They get a setback. How many setbacks are there I, in baseball as opposed to it, football? Right? I agree. I mean, it's nonstop. Yeah. So I, I mean, just like you know, you'd like to see I, them toughen it up a little but bit. But they and and they're all on my team. So um, yes, I changed my team name. Um, <laughs> I changed my team name from the Jim Brockmeyers, which they were, uh, to uh, the Big Fat Ofers. Yes. And I did spend a good 10 minutes online looking for the perfect picture of a bagel for my avatar. This is exactly my okay, point. Okay, right, exactly. Point. 10 so, minutes online looking for the perfect picture of a bagel. Yes. That he could have spent researching, hey, maybe yeah. uh, maybe I need some steals. Who can, who can I st get <laughs> off the wave wire? because I didn't <laughs> accept your terrible trade <laughs> offer for steals. So I changed that because the big fat offers even sunk further in the standings. They're now called the giant sucking noise, <laughs> which uh, in the avatar is a picture of Ross Perot. Is yeah. it Ross Perot? It's I Ross Perot because that, that was what he said, you That's know, great. in, the, in the debate with Al Gore, the famed debate, I guess. Sucking, um, the, the yeah, the, yeah sucking I think noise. the famous NAFTA debate. I think, yeah. The, the, that's the, incredible. The, the economy is one big giant sucking noise. So that's what I'm, that's here's my the deal. Team. That's right. Here's the deal. <laughs> so I've got to come up with more team names in case I go worse. Uh, good wife is what? What? Uh, what? what what year are we entering? We're coming. Life? This is uh, we've just finished our fourth season. Our, our finale is airing. When's this going to air? Or, this airing the night before the draft. So yeah, so the, our finale is uh, coming up this Sunday. This Sunday. Yeah. So it'll be the finale of season four. So watch the draft. Watch the draft. Soak that in. Soak that in. Sunday night on CBS. Sunday night. Is the season four finale, finale of the, of, of the Good of Wife? Get your Good Wife fix on. Absolutely. And season five is in the is season already in five the making. Is happening. It's already we start up. we start up middle uh, middle of July. That's like an eternity in in television. It's a an fifth eternity. season on network it is. It's television. Like, yeah. Feel like a vampire. So that means you're going to be shooting your hundredth episode. Doing yeah, the math we will start coming up in the beginning of beginning of the fifth season. Which somewhere. few shows ever get to reach it's that huge. milestone? It's kind of remarkable. It just keeps uh, keeps going. Things are good. You got a hundredth episode teed up. Fifth season of Good Wife. The Jewish Weedies are in the third Jewish place Wheaties right now as we currently place. sit here in the fantasy Solidly baseball. in third place. Well done. And um, thank you for being on the draft special. My pleasure. That's Josh Charles, champion uh, Baltimore Raven gear, right here. Schmatas uh, and all. Schmatas and all right here on the draft special.
Great chatting with Josh Charles, as always. Good man. He's a good dude. We love Josh Charles. He, he, he was a fun guy. When he walked into that room where you guys taped that, the yeah. fan cave room, mm-hmm. he's loved it. He's like, give me the catalog where I can order this I stuff. I know. He wanted all that stuff. He also showed up in an Orioles hat, which yeah. is a no-no. He showed up in an O's hat to the NFL. <laughs> so if you swapped it, when you see it on TV, that's why he's wearing a Ravens hat for sure. Um, all right, let's wrap this show up with none other than Michael Strahan. Pleased to have on the Rich Eisen Draft Special, the only host on television with 141 and a half career sacks as well, uh, the co-host of Live with Kelly and Michael, Michael Strahan. What's up, man? Good to see you. Uh, good to see you. Right here on the, the new set, your yeah, new we're, digs. We're on the new set, the, the yeah. digs, thanks to you. How, how's it thanks to me? Because, man... I've been working with you a long time. Yes, you have. Studying your skills. <laughs> you would okay. ask me, I would come on and do stuff with you, and you were just so, you were so good, man. You were so good. Thank you. Sap, straight hand, straight hand, sap. Yes, that's right. Back in the day. Back ten, in the day. Ten years ago, by the way. T- that was ten years ago? Yeah, it was the first year of NFL Network, ten years ago. Have they, have they like, every once in a while show repeats of that? Well, I think the FCC has banned some of the... Uh, back and forth between the two of you. That was, to, hey, that was good It was TV. great stuff. It was great. Oh, I was just asking that because I wanted to know if I get residuals. Yeah, you don't have enough television time, obviously. Yeah, but I need some residuals. To, oh, res- yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, syndicated <laughs> television, network television, you definitely don't have enough airtime right hey, now. Hey, I got kids, man. You do? Yeah, I got kids. I and how residual. many times in your old job were you uh, around nice floral arrangements like this? Did you ever at one point turn to your right or left in Giant Stadium and see just some very nice floral Never, like Never at before. Giant Stadium, but when no. I would wake up in the hospital after surgery every <laughs> once in a while, <laughs> be a little flowers here, a little flowers there. So I, I've seen some, but not quite in the stadium. But, it, but this is awesome. I mean, I, I love this. And, and you know, as, as you know, mm-hmm. I, I really, I truly, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the NFL, if it weren't for playing, if it weren't for being in New York and being around so much media, right. if it weren't for doing shows with you and, and all the other things that I did as a player, which made me comfortable to be able to sit in front of a camera and, and basically talk. Right, and just banter. Well, Kelly also makes it simple, too. Kelly makes it easy because Kelly is amazing. She is she just makes everything seamless. She's funny. She's quick. She's um, she's always the same. Like every day I come into work and I look forward to seeing her because I know she's exciting and she's excitable, and and she she really makes you feel comfortable and makes it like I can come in from day one and feel like I've been here for the last ten years. So, dealing with the New York media, mm-hmm. did that. Really prep you for this sort of stuff? Of course. But toughen the skin? What did it do? It toughens, yeah, definitely toughens your skin. You learn, you don't, you don't really care about, not saying that you don't care, you don't feel it, you don't see, but it really doesn't really matter as much or that much about outside opinion. But you used to growl. Oh, I used to get into it. I mean, you really, you stare, you did some stare downs. Yeah. You've had, you've had some growling sessions. Yes. You, you sometimes preached at them. Yes. Right, but you don't do that like say, say Pierce Brosnan is sitting across from you, do you? Do you? Well, Pierce and I had a little something, something because he was talking right. about rugby, trying to say we put on makeup, <laughs> right, and wear helmets and shoulder pads. We're weak on the football field. I was about to tackle him actually. <laughs> you show I, him that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want the lawsuit, so I pulled <laughs> right. back. But yeah, of course, you know, you, I had my moments with the media. Some moments were um, were definitely better than others. Some were moments where I knew exactly what I was doing. I mean, I, I was no dummy. Right. So there are certain times I would go in there and I would say some things that I knew or would, would re- elicit some certain type of reaction. Uh, but at the same time, probably most of the time I, I got into it was more, 
I feel I was more offended by what was said about my teammates more than about myself. So if somebody goes after Kelly, Oh, they better be ready out. for a fight. That's it. From her, first of all. Right, yeah. right. She won't need I, your help. I'm going to be mad at you and jump on you, but she, she's sure. the, she will come get you. What's your schedule like during the season? Because we see you on Fox Sunday mornings and yeah. throughout the Sunday and when there were big late afternoon games as well, you're sitting there as well. And then we turn on Kelly and Michael, and there you are in New York, and Fox is out there in Los Angeles. What's My schedule like? is very similar to being a player. Seriously. Show up in the morning, Monday through Friday, and I'm here, I get here eight something, and I'm show's over at 10. Some days you have some extra stuff afterwards, mm -hmm. but um, so Monday through Friday, that's my schedule. Then on Friday, right after we finish, I'm, I'm on a plane back to LA, and I get into LA Friday, Friday afternoon, enjoy my Saturday, in studio at 5.30 Sunday morning, Man. done at 5 p.m., 6.30, right on back a flight on a plane. back here. But it's very, it's very much like a football player's schedule because Monday through Friday, we go to the stadium, we work, we do everything we have to do. Saturday, we usually fly out. Sunday, you play, and right after the game on Sunday, you get on the plane and you go back home. Then you go in Monday morning and you go right back to work. If you think about it, I mean, you left the game in a way that is the envy of so many players. Mm -hmm. Confetti, picking it out of your hair, yep. you walk off into the sunset. And then we see so often the transition from retirement to the next thing is so difficult yeah. for so many players. And you have pulled it off in a way that few other guys have ever been able to do. Do you have any formula? Yeah, I mean, is there any way for somebody to look and see what you have done to go from one thing to another and say, I need to do X, Y, and Z? You know anything? what, I've had a very unique experience, but I. I think if you're, if you're in the league now and you're thinking about any kind of career in, in TV or in anything, to be honest with you, use the power you have now. As a player who's on the field now, when people care about who you are, use that. If you want to get into finance, intern. Don't, don't worry about ever starting at the bottom. Don't, don't think you know everything about everything because you don't. Always be willing to learn, which I was as a player. I would learn from Justin Tuck. I would learn from O.C. Humanura, even though they were younger than me. Right. And I never looked at it and said, oh, this young guy's coming here trying to steal my job. I looked at it as this young guy's coming here and there's something I can learn from him and he's going to push me to be better. And if you're going to look outside of, of, of your sport for something you want to do when you're done playing, it's the same thing. Um, I, I did a sitcom that was for a year, but it was a great learning experience. Um, to, to do Fox NFL Sunday, a great learning experience to sit beside guys who've done it for so long and who make it look flawless and easy. And then when you get on, you see how tough it is. And you just have to always be willing to learn and not, not be afraid to fail and not be afraid to be in a situation where sometimes you feel like you're over, the, over your head, which, I mean, being here, a guest host, um, it seems like a year or two ago. I think it was 2010 was your 2010, first guest host. 2010, right yeah. Here. So, uh, you mean, uh, I never thought I'd be here now because I didn't think they would pick me for this job. But at the same time, I realized if I came in and, and, and did my best that, you know, it, it, I think it would open up doors for other things. And it all started, obviously, with a, a big football career in the right town. Uh, this mm -hmm. is a draft special. Take me back to your draft day. Draft day like for me? For you, you were Man. the 40th overall choice out of yep. Texas Southern by the New York football giants. 
I imagine you were you were not invited to Radio City Music Hall. Is that true? Back then, I don't even know if they were inviting anybody to the draft. Were right. they? Ninety three. I, I think they were. Well, Maybe, I definitely I wasn't know, invited. I wasn't worth the plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you have? Did you have a draft party in your house? I had you a draft like? party at my uncle's house because my parents lived in Germany. So um, I stayed with my uncle when I was in my senior year of high school. And, and so after, for the draft, I went back to my uncle's house, invited sure. some people over. The Cowboys sent the rep to the house because I went to Dallas during that whole process. And Cowboys. we're going to make you a, you know, if we, if we want to do a draft day deal if we make you our first round pick and they're going on. So I'm like, I'm going to the Cowboys first round pick. And they just won Super Bowls left and right won. up and yeah, down. Yeah, Jimmy, jo I would have had yeah. a few rings if Jimmy Johnson would have picked me. Right. But Jimmy said he didn't believe I was that good at the time. So while uh, yeah, you hurt my feelings. Is that right? He said, I didn't know you were going to be that good. I thought you'd be okay. Sounds like you've had these conversations in commercial breaks. Oh, yeah, breaks I've been a little mad at Jimmy. He's on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a few rings, but it worked out perfectly to be where I, where I ended up in New York. But I'm sitting there, and I'm, I, I think the Cowboys are going to draft me. And you're watching these names come across the screen, and the phone's ringing. You pick it up, and one of your boys going, I can't believe they picked him instead of you. And it's like, Shad, get off the phone. It's not, right. We don't have call waiting. That's this right. is 1993. Okay? <laughs> Click. And um, <laughs> the cowboy rep gets a phone call on his cell phone, one of those big old block ones. Yeah, like out of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah like right. out of Wall Street. Yeah. And um, the cowboys trade it down into the second round. And I'm just sitting there, and next thing you know, I get a call from Dan Reeves and George Young, New York Giants, and I and, – and, I'm happy. I'm, first of all, my first thought was, why do you want me up there? It's cold up there. <laughs> <laughs> you have Lawrence Taylor. What do you need me for? But then I was, it was probably, probably the most exhausted I had been. Right after the announcement and right after the thank you to everybody and hugging everybody, I went in the back room and, and took a nap. Yeah, that's what a, a lot of people forget about these rookies. You know, the rookie wall, they say, because mm -hmm. the playing season in the NFL is longer than your, your college career is uh, in a single season, but these kids go through combine and work yeah. it out and then have to learn a playbook and then get thrown in a situation. You're, you're a kid from Texas Southern. Now all of a sudden you're in you're New in York big City. And you walk LT, in the locker room. Right? Yeah, I mean, you walk in the locker room. And when LT walked in the locker room the first time, he, he glided in. He didn't even move his legs, but he just was like, he was just so in awe. It looked like he floated into the room. Mm -hmm. And you you slowly realize that these are grown men. This is what you do for a living now. This isn't a scholarship. This isn't trying to get a, a, a jacket. This isn't trying to, you know, say, yeah, baby, I play on the football team. <laughs> this is like real. This is how you eat, and this is how you take care of your family. And once I got that mentality and um, – How long did it take you to get that mentality? Oh, probably about five years. No, five. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, no, it, after my, like, my first year or so, uh -huh. I realized – you know what? I know I was a second-round pick, and, of course, you go, well, they picked me in the second round. Unlike now, back then, they didn't cut you if they gave you a little money. Right. So, I was, oh, I know I'm safe. And I kind of sat back, and it was comfortable. Comfortable, because I knew you, have, know you had Lawrence Taylor, and you had all, all these other guys, and you don't really need me. Mm -hmm. But after that, the second year, I was thrown, thrown in there. Lawrence was gone, and it was like, you have to go figure it out. And I got beat up a lot. But I just didn't quit, man. I, I stuck with it and eventually figured out the game. Yeah, and it worked out for you. Yeah. Now here you are sitting on this set. I'm yeah. telling you, man, I just watched you do in a whole hour of the show. And I, I think I watched you smile and laugh more in that one hour than maybe 
your entire <laughs> NFL career. Now, I know you're in a field, and you know, it's the field of battle, and people are going for your knees, and I understand it's a completely different arena, but you look like you were having the time of your life. You know what? I, I must say, I've had, I had a, I, and I actually miss all that. I miss... You miss I people miss, going for your I, knees? I miss it. I, I miss the whole macho, to throw a guy down, to talk some smack, to hit somebody hard, put them on the ground, and just, yeah, you know, I missed bring, that. Why don't you bring that to this? Well, I can show you right now if you can. No, 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 I, no not okay. to me. <laughs> not to me, but when you're in the midst of a show, maybe. You know, every, Gelman, take I have him to, out. I, you know what? Gel, I mean, Gelman looks know. a little fragile. Okay. He looks a little fragile. You need him. He's a prime yeah. time player around here. He's crucial it, to the he's, operation. He's, well, he's not as crucial as you probably think. <laughs> but he's, uh, he's, he's somewhat important around here. I uh -huh. can't take him out. But I, I do miss that. That's the one thing. Once you get it in you, you played and that whole mentality of being on that field. And in the locker room, I felt like, uh, you know, like a normal small guy, actually, because I'm standing next to guys who are 320, 30, 40 pounds. Here I am, my last years in the league, I'm 240-something, 250. But the second I would put on my pads and my helmet, I felt like the biggest, baddest man on the planet. And that feeling, I, I missed that feeling. And I missed going walking out of that tunnel with all the fans and especially when you retire when you know I felt like I still could have played a few more years if I if I wanted to but I think there's a time for everything and there's no no better value than going out on top and I think because of that it's helped me here I, you know it, it's I never wanted to be that guy that said oh he, he, he should have quit years ago right he's still playing because I do that oh man that, guy, <laughs> that, that guy's still in the league right and um, you don't want to be that guy. I always want to be a starter. I always want to be that guy, not one of the 11 on the field at a time, but I want to be that one of the 11. And once I kind of was feeling like that was getting harder and harder to do, it was time for me to, to go. And um, everything works out for a reason. Sure. And now you're on that career path, that rare career path, where years from now people mention your name and some people might go, wow, he, he was a football player? Well, you know what, and, that's, and I take that as a compliment, though. And, and it's amazing now Not because many walking the street, most people are like, oh, you, well, Kelly and Michael. You know, now I have two names. Gotta, my name is Kelly, that's too. That's right. So it, that's going to blow your mind. If it blows say that. my mind, yeah. especially when you, sure. when, when you see a man do it, because usually <laughs> men, you're like so associated with just playing football. Yeah, that, right. that's my friend, the football player. And they're like, hey, Kelly and Michael love the show. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, oh, thank you. It we'll kind of throws you off. It. But I take that as a compliment. And I don't think it diminishes in any way anything that I've done on the football field. But I also look at this job and this opportunity as hopefully a way that encourages athletes, not just football players, but um, any athlete that you can. And, and for people who look at athletes a certain way, that you're just not a dumb jock. You're not somebody who, you know, I put on the path and I run out here and I just hit people. And that's what I do. We all have ambitions and we all are, are, are um, have other things that we would love to do. We all have, we, most of them have personality. We have the ability to do this. I am not the only athlete that could come here and sit at this desk and do this job. I'm the fortunate one to get the job. And I just hope that the athletes look at it and say, well, my career is over. It doesn't mean basically my identity of my life is over. I can't get a, a job that I love in a career in a different career path. Because now, hopefully, this opens everyone's mind up to say, hmm, yeah, he was an athlete, but they can do other things. Give this guy a shot. Yeah, man, straight. Congrats You're the man. Everything. Congrats Thank you for all oh, please. What you've you done for me to help me. Come on. And that, 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 that commission check that I promised you <laughs> is in the mail. You just not. keep looking out for it, buddy. Yeah, that and, yes. my, that, that and my SB invite. That's been lost for 10 years, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Stray. Thank you, man. That is Michael Strahan, TV host.
and former Super Bowl champion right here on the Rich Eisen Draft Special. Okay, that wraps it up for this fun edition from, uh, from league headquarters in New York City of this draft special. Thank you, Chris Law. You worked your tail off putting this together as well as the mock draft show. And um, there was lots of moving parts for you this week. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. Thanks, uh, thanks to the guys that tweeted in with our, the hashtag REP mock draft, too. We, uh, we had a couple fans come in. That's right. They got to sit in. That they was did a, it. a fun experience. They got to, to pretend in, to be to stand you. In, stand in for the to pretend to be mock Mooch, draft yeah, folks. Yeah, so... It was, was fun. A, it was a good week. It was good. And um, again, the mock draft can be seen midnight Tuesday, Eastern Time, and also Wednesday at 2.30 Eastern Time. That's yep. on NFL Network. At uh, 9 Eastern Time on Wednesday night is the uh, television version of what you just heard here on this. I want to thank uh, everybody who helped put uh, these, this show together. Uh, my Chris's. I also want to thank um, Stacy Garcia. I want to thank everybody, Constance Schwartz, who helped out with Stray. Absolutely. Thank everyone at, at Regis. At, you know, I went there, didn't I? Michael, Kelly, and Michael. Michael. Wanted to thank everybody there. That was really great. They and were great. Josh they were awesome. Greg Aiello helping us out yep. with getting the commission. Everyone here at the, uh, at the NFL. Uh, Chris Law, the next podcast is going to come out on Wednesday night. We're going to put the mock draft. So, yeah. folks who want something to listen to on their morning commute on draft day itself, you'll hear the entire audio version of the mock draft that Mike Mayock honchoed and uh, the rest of us try to put together. I had the picks of the Raiders, Chargers, Giants, and Texans. Yes. So that was my personal uh, load to bear in that. So thank you, Chris. Absolutely, it's a pleasure, Rich. Adios, muchacho, from New York City. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, friends.